Today, I want to take you on a biblical journey to two people. These two people had the same name. Both of these people did not know the Lord at the beginning of the writing about them. Both of them had an opportunity from the time they, they were young to fulfill the Creator's plan for their life. One chose to do so, the other chose not to. When the time came for them to die, after living a lifetime of serving God or mammon, following the living God or following the laws of this world or the sin of this world, they had a chance to either reject God or to follow God. One chose to follow, one chose to reject. They wrote their own epitaphs. That's kind of interesting. They both wrote their own epitaphs. They said in like prose what they thought about their life at the time of their death. Now what I want us to do today is to understand that the most important thing that you will ever do in your life is to follow Christ. Let me say it one more time. And say it in a little different way. The most important thing in life is doing God's will. Now, I know that 90% of us think we've got it all together. Well, we can just look around and see everybody else and say, thank God I'm not like you. You have to have help. Well, you've got weaknesses. I don't have any. You have to be corrected. I've never made a mistake. But yes, we have. But it's not the fact that we're all sinners. Yes, we're all sinners, but the truth of the matter is that half of people do not. They do not ever admit it. Now, if you do not know God's will for your life, you're in trouble. Let me say it one more time. If you do not understand God's got your life planned out, he made you for a purpose. But some of us, in the temptation to be like somebody else, we choose to quit being like God and start being like somebody else. And when we make that choice, we pay for it dearly, as you will see in the story. We're going to hold up on the scriptures for just a few moments. I'll come back to them. Let me just start story number one. As we look at these two men, we see that both of them are young in the beginning of the story. They were in that time of life when they didn't worry about dying. Everybody else dies. They're never going to die. They were in that twilight world that all young people go through. And it's at that time that God wants to come into their life first, early, in the beginning. In order that when they get into the real battlefield, they know how to fight and win. Now, one of these characters, King Saul, is in the Old Testament. The other one is the Saul of the New Testament. Now, the Saul of the New Testament, because of his life-changing experience with the living God, changed his name to Paul. 
So you have Saul and Saul, born that, with those names. They become Saul and Paul. And Saul and Paul were quite different. Let's look at the story. Now, the nation of Israel was the number one nation in the world. They had had judges. They decided they would get their politics together and change some things, and they were going to have a king. And so more people wanted to have a king than, than wanted to have the judges. And so they got together, and as they made their decision, they made a decision, we now are going to go and find us a leader. Now, everybody today, whether you know it or not, you have a leader. It may be a movie star. It may be a rock singer. It may be Billy Graham. It could be any kind of a thing. But people just look at people and say, I'd like to be like you. I, I, I see what you, I wish I could look like you, act like you, talk like you, and I sure would like to have your bank account. And when you start thinking that way, the wheels begin to come off. Now, they needed a king. First time. So, obviously, they wanted a person that looked like a king. So, they found a man that was head and shoulders taller than any other person in the tribe of Benjamin. They were impressed with him. When they looked, they saw a man that was gifted. Let me tell you something. God doesn't use gifted people. He uses committed people. He does not look for somebody that's got talent. He looks for somebody that's got God in their heart, somebody that's willing to be what God wants them to be. God will equip you to do what he wants you to do. You just have to decide, what am I going to do? So they started praying. And that what you do? You know, when you want to raise, what do you do? Pray. When you hope somebody doesn't get the biggest steak on the platter at the, at the Christmas dinner, you pray. While they're praying for the country, you're praying, dear God, don't let them get that ribeye that's medium rare. <laughs> and when you see somebody, you say, I think I could fall in love with her. I could fall in love with him. And we pray. It's amazing how spiritual. When you hit the car in front of you, first thing you do, Dear God, don't let it be that bad. You know, I don't have any insurance. We're the most gullible people to just believe. Now lay me down to sleep, you know, that's good enough. You know, then I'm going to sleep good all night. Well, here we go. They start praying. God, lead us to the proper man. So God led them to the tribe of Benjamin, which was the smallest tribe of the group, to a man named Saul. He looked like a king, acted like a king, strong like a king should be, intelligent, wealthy, on and on. It began to move forward. And when asked to be the king, Saul said, I will. Now, he's the one who needs to be praying. Before anybody asks you to do anything, you need to pray, God, what's your will? Because if you do everything that people ask you to do, you get yourself in trouble real, real quick. You need to know in whom you have believed and that he is persuaded to keep that which we've committed to him against that day. Well, he took over Israel. You heard of Israel, hadn't you? If not, come on Wednesday night, all right? We talk about Israel a lot on Wednesday night. You know why? Because the Jews are God's favorite. That's just the truth. They're God's favorite. And Israel 
in the time of the writing and needing this king needed the best they could find in their mind, but their mind was not focused upon a holy God. They began to live in sin. They began to rebel against everything good. They felt like if they could get the right leader in to be their king, maybe things would happen. But you know what? Saul had a problem. You know what kind of problem he had? Same kind of problem a lot of us have. He was arrogant, obnoxious, proud. He wanted everybody to look at him and say, wow, isn't he cool? If not, he'd change his hairdo, I'm sure. Or he would dress differently. Or he would do something to get some attention. Anything to get attention. Because I'm their king. I need to be the one that they look at and go, wow, isn't he something? Well, watch out. Let's continue with this story. Because you know something? Our visions of ourselves can sometimes destroy the reality of ourselves. And when you think you know who you are, you may not be who you think you are. Because all of us have that sin problem. All of us have that destruction on our body. We may not all have cancer, but we all have sin. And that sin is in the high and the mighty and the low and the humble. Now, Saul was preparing to lead his army against the Amalekites. God told him to destroy all the cattle, all the sheep, just take out everything. But being the man he was and wanting to be rich, why kill the, why kill the cows? I'm a rancher. Next time I go to the auction, I can tell them how many cows I got now. You know, let's don't kill them. Let's bring them home. Let's bring the sheep home. Let's build our wealth. We cannot do that, although he was told to take them out. Now, that's God's problem as to why he told them that, but he didn't do that. He disobeyed God. The sooner you start disobeying God or I start disobeying God, the sooner we're going to get in trouble. If God says it, we're to do it. And we're to do it as God wants it done. He'll explain the details. That's the reason we have a long eternity because some of us are so hard-headed it take the first 10,000 years for God to say, does that make sense to you? Well, no, I don't really get it. Well, you can't go anywhere, so you're with me. And I've been patient with you while you're alive. Now I'm going to be patient with you now for eternity. Well, he was told when he went not only to kill the cattle but to kill the king. But you know what he did? He brought him captive. He brought the king captive. He said, no, I don't kill him. I'm going to bring him back. You say, well, I, I agree with him. No, keep the mind the story. The story is what was God's will. God said, I don't know why, but that's what he told him to do. And he said, I am going to do it differently. But there was a man. His name was Samuel. God had a will for him too. Samuel began to pray for his king. He began to pray for Saul that God would turn him towards righteousness. Have you ever prayed for your leaders? Have you ever really asked God, rather than being critical, say, God, change them? Well, in this story, this comes out. 
when he returned, God had spoken to Samuel. He had told him that Saul had disobeyed him. And he said, all right. He won't listen. He prayed. And then he went out to talk to the king. And when he went out to talk to the king, he told him, you hadn't obeyed God. That means nothing to most wealthy, healthy, good-looking, strong-minded people that you've disobeyed God. And it didn't matter to Saul. He was king. He was the envy of everybody. But the little humble Samuel said, Saul, you're messing with the wrong person. You're turning your back on God, Saul. You have been blessed with good looks and all these other things, but Saul, you have made a mistake. And Saul would not admit to it. Even denied it. And as he was denying it, the sheep and the cattle began to make their sounds. And the bowing and the mooing and whatever was going on. And I can just see that little prophet looking at him and saying, caught you. They're all alive. They're supposed to be dead. Have you ever got caught in a lie? Wasn't a very pleasant experience, was it? But we all have had that problem. But we got a big guy here now with a big, big problem. So, the prophet says to the king, Saul, the next battle you go into, you're going to die. He had big trouble with that. He said, because you've disobeyed God. They were going against the puniest tribe of the bunch. The mighty army of Israel was going against the puny tribe of the Amalekites. And he said, this will be a piece of cake. But that old bony finger of that prophet, I can see him said, King, I'm telling you, unless you confess your sin and repent, you're fighting your last battle. Well, it didn't happen. He didn't change. He didn't change. But he felt guilty. And I quote, he said, I have sinned. I have played the fool. I have erred exceedingly. I want you to look at it on the screen. I have sinned. I have played the fool. I have erred exceedingly. Has God ever led you in a position where you could pray a prayer like that? I have sinned. I have played the fool. Only a fool says in his heart there is no God and that there's no power in that God. But this happened to this man. And all reason would say there's no way, there's no way that I can be defeated. There's no way with what I am and who I am and what I possess. Well, whenever the battle started, all of a sudden, his army began to fall. He would look over here, and they were falling. He would look over here, and they were falling. And he looked out here, and they were falling. 
And it finally became so evident that the prophets had told the truth. He was not going to survive this battle. But being the man that he was, I will not die at the hands of the enemy. He turned to his sword bearer and said, take my sword and pierce it through my heart. I do not want to die at the hands of the evil. Well, they weren't the evil ones, but in his mind, they were the enemy. The sword bearer took off. And if you'll read the entire text, Saul took the sword and put it in the ground and fell on his own sword and died. No question in my mind that the words that he had said earlier, he said again, I have sinned, I have played the fool, and I have erred exceedingly. But I want to jump over to another Saul. We've got to turn to the New Testament for this one. And as we turn in the New Testament, we will see that God had another story that he did not want us to go home without in the fourth chapter of 2 Timothy. We see another man named Saul. First time we see him, he's on his way to Damascus. You know why he's going to Damascus? He's going to kill Christians. He's going to murder and execute and destroy the Christian faith if he possibly can. This man was not a giant like the Saul of the Old Testament, but he was a man that God had, had spoken to in the midst of him being an executioner of Christians. He was well-educated. He was very successful. He wasn't from a little tribe of Benjamin. He was not from a small family, but from a major background of intellect and people knowing him, here this Saul on his way to Damascus is going to persecute the Christians. This young man had a lot of potential, but he's going down the wrong road. He had the wrong goal. He wasn't going to lift up Christ. He was going to put down Christ. He was not going to minister to Christians. He was going to kill Christians. And without warning, God interrupts Saul's march to Damascus. A bright light comes out of heaven. He is knocked to his knees. And he's there and he is totally, totally blind. And God speaks to that executioner and says to him, I want you to follow me. What a shock that must have been. It changed him so much that his name changed. His name changed from Saul to Paul. If you've read the Bible, you've heard that name. In fact, more of the Bible is written by Paul through the leadership of the Holy Spirit than any other person. The next time we see him, he's on his way out of Damascus. He's coming into Damascus the first time to kill the Christian, and he's going out of Damascus the next time running from the people trying to kill him. And the reason they're trying to kill him is because he started living for God. He started telling people his story. He started helping people understand your good education isn't going to be that good when it comes to eternity. What faith was instead of works. What serving God would mean if, if, if. A person said, that's what 
I want to do. I can see somebody running out of the crowd. Grabbing Paul and saying, sit down, buddy. You must be losing your mind. Why in the world would you change? You had the world by the tail. Why are they chasing you? He said, I was back there in Damascus, and I was telling people about Jesus. And he said, as I was telling about Jesus, they just went nuts. You know, I mean, he changed my life. I was telling them, and they just went crazy. And I was telling them what he had done for me and how he changed my life, and the darkness had become light, and that they could become Christians too if they would just follow him. But most of them said, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what my friends do. I'm going to act like everybody else in my culture. That's what I want to be. I want to be a success on earth for whatever years God gives. Well, he said they started throwing rocks at him if you read the text. And when it demanded a response, here's what he said. And it'll go up on the screen now. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, For I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished the course, and I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there's a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all of those that love his appearing. Do you hear what we're reading? Here's a man saying, listen, I left all of that highfalutin stuff. I gave my heart to the Lord. I put my life on the line, but I'm heaven bound. And for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Listen, the devil cannot destroy a born-again believer. He can move you. He can move you. He can take you anywhere he wants to. But every single one of us, every single one of us need to get this comparison. God has a plan for both guys, for all of us. We can either go with him or we can go our own way. Every day, every day, we have a chance to say, yes, Lord, or yes, Satan. Paul got out of that situation when two fellow believers came and got him over the wall in a basket. It's quite an escape story. Make a great movie. And people are just sitting there and all. This is the number one most wanted man. And he's been born again. He's gotten saved. He's gotten the Lord. He's gone crazy. He's the fanatic. And you say, yeah, I think he's a fool. No, that was the first Saul. And he admitted it. He said, I'm a fool. You know, when a person that's running from God will admit it that they're a fool, you can be made the wisest of men. You can know God's will for your life. The reason some of you do not understand what I'm saying right now is you have no idea what it means to walk with God. The only thing that you know about Christianity is I sure want to be one and get baptized because I sure don't want to go to that hot place. Friends, that is comic book stuff compared to the truth. The Bible says you must be born again. The Bible says I got a plan for you just like I had for these two guys. One of these guys had everything but God. The other one had nothing but God. 
But he said, I'm now ready to be offered. My departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished the course. And I kept the faith. You see, these guys would say, quit doing that. and They won't bother you. They're not bothering us. You know what? I'm talking to a lot of people. You know, the Lord's not bothering you. You know? Why isn't he bothering you? Because he knows that you've already made your commitment. You've sold out. I am going to be a follower of this world. I want to be happy, 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 and I want to go to party, party, party when I'm 150. And you live in this world, but this world is not our home. I don't care which way you're going. This world is not your home. Whether you go this way or that way will determine what you do with Jesus Christ. King Saul said, I will not change. And Saul of the New Testament said, I will follow him. He never dreamed that he would have the impact he's had. No one person has had more impact on the church than the Apostle Paul. This is the kind of determination that we need today. This is the kind of dedication we need today. We need a group of believers that are willing to lay their life on the line. And the reason so many refuse to tell people about Jesus is because you're afraid you might lose a friend. You're afraid that you might lose the popularity contest. You're afraid you might lose your job. And yet God says, no good thing will I withhold from those that love me. And I'll guarantee you one thing. You pick the wife or the husband that you want. If it's not God's choice, you better be glad there's lawyers. If you don't understand that, we'll talk that in private. But if you'll let go and let God, everybody will say to you the rest of your life, how did you ever get that one? And you're going to smile and say, oh, I'm just a good chooser. That's if you're a sinner. But if you're really right with God, you're going to say, God sent him. God sent her. And guess what? I found her at church camp. I found her at church. Well, this Christian family I had over, and I met him there. It wasn't at the bar. No, no, it wasn't at the bar. It wasn't at the movie. It wasn't at the party, party, party. No, that's where the other folks get theirs. And they can all write biographies. But God's way is higher than man's way. But we have a choice. I'm glad we do. We need this kind of conviction and determination today. Because God's called us all to a special task. Every single one of us, we're not all called to preach or sing or whatever. I can look at some of you and, and uh, think, God, did God called Bill Cole and not you to lead the music before I preach because I, I don't think I could handle it if you were leading it. Uh, I'm not calling any names. I'm just tempted to. But anyway... But God has this plan, and it's a wonderful plan. But let me close the story quickly. Paul ended up in prison. He's alone. You may face that day. I may face that day. Paul realizes that he's entering the end of his life. He knows all the early history. He knows how he was a leader among his people. 
People just admired him for everything he did. He was cold. He was in a dark dungeon cell. And he's writing a letter to little young Timothy. And here's what he says in 2 Timothy 4, 6. For I'm now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I've finished the course and I've kept the faith. Henceforth. There's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me, and not to me only, but to all of those that love his appearing. Go back to the battlefield one last time. See Saul, King Saul, wealthy King Saul, powerful King Saul, good-looking, athletic, giant of a man laying in a pool of his own blood by his self-inflicted sword. And you can rest assured that he was saying, I have played the fool. I have erred exceedingly. I'm a fool. Well, you don't get saved by preaching. No preaching ever saved anybody. But the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. I'm glad there's enough stories in this Bible for me to read them, and, and you can find one that you can identify with. And the one I've just given you, a lot of us can identify with it. It would have been so easy, so easy to say, I'm going to do it. But something said, no, they that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles, and they'll walk and not grow weary. They'll run and not faint. Every one of us can imagine what it might be like to have as our epitaph, I fought a good fight as a soldier of Jesus Christ. I have run life's race and I've finished the course. And I, as a believer, have kept the faith. When I was younger, I used to get discouraged about what's happening in the world. The longer I lived, the more I read the Bible, I don't get discouraged anymore. In fact, I am encouraged by the fact that Jesus is coming soon. I, I have read enough of this Bible in, in more than 70 years of being able to read that we win. I've been staying up to see the Astros win. And it comes on past my bedtime. Most of the time they do, but you know what? Sometimes they lose. Yes, they do. Yes, go like that. Yes, the Astros do lose. But you know what? There's no losers in the family of God. We win. If you said, I always want to play on a winning team, well, get on God's team. Get adopted in the family. You say, my mom and daddy, they didn't have no money. I didn't get anything. All my friends got money because they had wealthy parents. You know what? My father owns a cattle on a thousand hills and the hills they graze on. God owns everything. And God wants it all in circulation. And it all belongs to his kids. Yeah, but I've got this chronic illness, you know, and i got this good doctor. You know what the Bible says? He's the great physician. And if you die, he'll raise you out of the dead if he wants to. Man, we were singing about the resurrection. I almost shouted this morning. We've been working on this for years, folks. You can go to churches. A lot of them have left the cross out, but most of them still sing about the cross and the blood. But we don't sing about the resurrection. That's for Easter Sunday. You know, 
And you've, those of the older sage might have heard me say this a lot of times. If I were to preach on the resurrection in June, they'd think it's time to get a new pastor. He don't even remember when Easter is. <laughs> but you know what? The greatest truth is he's alive. Say it with me. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Praise Jesus. He's alive. And he's the one I'm going to give account for. So I'm going to do it like he said. He said, confess your sinner, believe, admit your sinner, believe, and get, be convicted and confess your sin and receive him into your life. And then write, he'll write the epitaph for you, but he'll sound more like the Paul of the New Testament. And we can say, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, and I've kept the faith. Jesus is coming, folks. He's coming again.